Welcome to Horns Up. I'm Animesh. And I'm Peter. And this episode features a band that's getting some rave reactions from fans, the media, and the heavy metal world in general. The band is Crypta, and the rave reactions are because of their debut album, Echoes of the Soul. It's an exciting listen, for it truly shows the metal world that metal is in good hands. And we say that because, well, the band itself is pretty young. Three-fourths of the band, wouldn't you believe it? They wouldn't be able to buy or purchase alcohol in Bombay, India. And that's because the legal age to be able to buy some booze, where Peter and I stay, is 25 years old. Wow, that's quite late. That voice, of course, belongs to Sonia Anubis, better known to the world as lead guitarist of Krypta. Sonia, welcome to Horns Up. And let's begin by asking, does age really matter when it comes to heavy metal? Absolutely not. You know, the special thing about heavy metal, it's for everyone, for any kind of people, you know, for women, for men, uh, for blonde people, for dark haired people, whatever gender it's for or color or ethnicity. It doesn't matter. It's for everyone. And, and also age doesn't matter. So that's the special thing about uh, this genre is that it, it's for everyone. So I believe it's not a factor. That answer. But, you know, we'll circle back and get to age in a bit. But first, let's talk Crypta and Echoes of the Soul. First of all, congratulations on the album. The reviews and reactions met your expectations? Oh, it was above our expectations, honestly. Um, we took a lot of time to write this album. We did it very low-key uh, before we actually announced the band. So we really put a lot of time into it. And we did it with a lot of, like, passion and we wanted to be to Crypta to be the band that had everything done in the right way. We come from, you know, we had a lot of a musical past with different bands and we have a lot of experience on how it went in these bands. And we wanted to put all of the good things that we have experienced in this new uh, Crypta that we're creating. And uh, we were hoping that Echoes of the Soul could be the album that, you know, it's the one that we finally make that we feel like everything is just right. So um, yeah, it's, the way that people have reacted be, for it being it a debut album, which is our first album ever, um, it's absolutely amazing how people have been reacting to it. It's been amazing uh, how the songs have been received. The first three songs that we released before the album, um, they were they have been watched a lot of times on YouTube and been streamed extremely many times on Spotify. So it's absolutely amazing for sure. That's fantastic to hear. Now, here's a question. Uh, because of all the reviews, and I'm sure you guys would be reading the reviews, etc. Is there any facet of the album that critics or fans just haven't been able to get? Or on the flip side, is there something that you think should be talked about more than it has? Well, I think what a lot of people are conversing a lot about in this album is the genre. Because... Uh, when we started Crypta, we announced the bands to be old school death metal. So everything everyone was expecting for an <laughs> old school death metal album, but okay. they got completely something different. They got, I and mean, we didn't expect it either. We were, had the plan to create an old school death metal band and to write old school death metal things. But somehow our influences were quite different in the death metal. You know, we were very like into death metal, but we like different styles. For example, Fernanda's really into the brutal. Uh, I know Luana really likes the Swedish death metal and myself, I'm I'm kind of in every style I really like, but lately I've been extremely influenced, certainly for this album on the Polish 
black and death metal. So there's a lot of different things going on in the songwriting of this album. And that's why there are some songs that sound a little bit more rhythm oriented and some that are more melodic, maybe a little bit more blackened. There's a lot of different textures going on. And I think that's the surprise that people didn't maybe expect and thought, and maybe it was for some people, oh, this is not what I wanted to hear. But some for more people, it was also like, oh, this is actually something different. And that's that's what we actually wanted to do. Yeah. Oh man, absolutely. I mean, the it's not it's not pure death metal in that regards because it's like through the album and through all the songs you get all these mixtures of influences that's coming in. I hear I even hear speed at sometimes. I hear thrash sometimes. But mm-hmm. you know, there's one song in particular that I have to ask about. Was there any discussion about Dark Knight of the Soul as the album closer? And you know why I'm saying that because of that ending section of that song, right? I mean, once you hear that, no one, and I mean no one, expects the ferocity of From the Ashes to hit you like the way it does. Was that the plan? <laughs> well, yes, we really definitely thought a lot about the order of the songs in the album. So it definitely was like, we really thought about it very well. We had our papers and we were giving our feedback on how we wanted it to be. And we had it in this way, like if we have one fast song, we need some slow ones in between and then another fast one. And we wanted to, you know, start fast uh, after intro. The intro would get you into the vibe. For example, uh, Awakening is like, it gets you in the, like you're entering the crypt, gets you inside of this, world that is echoes of the soul you know uh from the world of this album i mean and we also have the the outro from from the ashes which is like you know it's burning it's like it's like the end of the album you can hear that and we wanted to connect everything in a logical way as for energy it has to keep being interesting to us and to keep it interesting you cannot go slower and slower in our in our opinion you have to like make it a little bit like a roller coaster and this is what uh, what our plan was for this album. You know, you start like very fast with starvation and then you go a little bit more into the, you know, more uh, a little bit slower, but still like rhythmic, groovy songs. And then, you know, we, we change it up a little bit and we decided to also end the album with something very strong You know, from from the ashes. It was our opinion, our, the strongest song of the album uh, for a reason that we also chose it to be the single. So yep. we want to end in a very strong way. And Dark Knight of the Soul is also a very strong song. But we didn't want to end very soft. We wanted to really end strongly. And I guess opinions are different about it for sure. (laughs) Talk to us about writing the music for Crypta, right? I mean, you talked about all the various influences that you had Mm -hmm. all across the board. Some of it not even like death metal, right? And the band is fairly young in age relatively. Does that you know, translate into taking more risk as songwriters? And how do you kind of keep a check on yourselves? Well, um, of course, the age doesn't really matter for us. We have a lot of experience with our previous bands and the songwriting went actually, uh, you know, surprisingly easy, in my opinion, even if we are living very far away. The other girls live far from each other in Brazil. Myself, I'm living all the way on the other side of the world in the Netherlands. Mm -hmm. So we made everything uh, happen in distance, uh, meaning that we shared all of our ideas with videos, with voice recordings, with any kind of technolo- technologic way to, to share with each other the ideas that we had stuck in our mind for the album. And we started uh, all the way back in 2019, writing Echoes of the Soul. 
well, we started uh, only with three girls, you know, Fernanda, Luana and I were first together writing music. And uh, around one month or something before we announced the band, actually, uh, Taina also joined. So big part of the album was already written when she joined. So mainly at the songwriters of the music were um, myself, Luana and Fernanda in this album. So um, for us, it was very easy. We got all the time to write it. There was no deadline or stress about getting things done very fast. This gives us like a lot of ease to do things in our own way, to really pay attention to the detail. And that's why uh, we got to really find um, the sound that we can identify as crypta. And th th I think you can very well hear it in Echoes of the Soul. You cannot define it as death metal. It's more like, you know, crypta. It's, it's a mixture of this different uh, influences that we have and we had the time to find it out and that's the, the product of the time that we that we took to create this. Let's talk about some of the stuff that you're responsible for and let's put you on the spot. What's a solo from the entire album that you're most proud of and Ooh. why that particular solo? Wow that's that's a hard uh, question because you know um, i put a lot of time on every single solo that I write for the album. And I'm, you know, I, as a guitarist, I really put a lot of like attention and I love every single one because otherwise I wouldn't put it in the song. Why well, I'm not always extremely happy, but there are some songs that I'm more happier about. I think um, one of them would be um, Dark Night of the Soul, definitely. It's the ending solo of the song uh, was for me one of the most technical things that I've done in my life. Maybe it doesn't look too technical for some like guitar virtuos people, but for me, it's like, whoa, this I'm showing techniques there that I haven't ever been able to do in certain solos. And I really had practiced to being able to, to, to record this. And that's why I'm very happy how it turned out there. And I, I have to really give a second one. I think also the solo from, uh, from Starvation is one that I really like. Ooh, so between the two, if you if you were in a guitar duel, which one would you play first? I think I start with Starvation and I'll end up with Dark Knight of the Soul. Excellent. Okay, okay. Now, you know, fans of heavy metal music, we all tend to overanalyze and get really invested in technicality. I'm that kind of person. I'm right, kind of right. Person. Okay, so then here's a question just for that. What's a riff or a part from the album that you think uh, these fans would spend or can spend hours analyzing? Ooh, uh, that's a difficult one, but I think I have an answer to that one. Um, I think the main verse riff of Death Arcana is a very, it's quite a tricky one to get. It's actually the first riff that I've ever written in death metal. I wrote it in 2010. It's wow. Crazy. Very low, or not 2010, maybe a little bit later, I think 2000. Oh, wow. No, not 2010. I'm, I'm making it too bad. I'm, I'm thinking my, my time frame is like or horrible. I'm very bad at time, but like I meant to say like eight years ago or something like this. Very long time ago when I started playing guitar and I was really into death metal and I had like, okay, now I really need to start, uh, you know, making death metal riffs. And um, I came up with that riff a long time ago and in the bands that I was before, I never was able to use it because none of the bands would like it. 
<laughs> it sucked a lot. They never were interested in having the riff in the song. So I was like, okay, finally encrypt, I can finally use this riff that I really like. It was very inspired by Morbid Angel and by Behemoth and this like very octavated stuff and like very uh, Middle Eastern sounding, but at the same time, very um, old school death metal. So um, that's the main riff that became the main riff of Death Arcana. And it has like a pinch harmonic in it, something that we don't have in the whole, uh, in the, all the songs. Yep. And the riff is actually very long. It has like, it's not like the four bar kind of usual thing. It's different. And that's why I really like this riff. Maybe it's something special for people to analyze. <laughs> I don't know. Fantastic. I'm sure people will spend a lot of time on that. All right. So, you know, we've spoken about a few songs already. So here comes the more, more difficult question. And that's why we were leading up to it. Let's play a song from the album. Pick one and tell us something about it that the average listener wouldn't know. All right. Um, I know one that we could choose and Kali. Ooh, like honestly, the when, when I first saw the word Kali as one of the song titles, it immediately brought to mind our goddess Kali that we have. Exactly. Right? Yeah, right? Have you? Yep. I know. Yeah. So is it? Um, I, I have to ask. You've, you must have definitely Googled Kali, right? Absolutely. Isn't she the most Fernanda. metal god ever? No, she's absolutely epic. And uh, Fernanda really looks up to her. And she's also the main, you know, she writes all the lyrics. So mm-hmm. I could not tell you too much about it because I'm more of like the composition person. <laughs> but um, yeah, she definitely uh, is really like into Kali. So she could, if, if you ever get to talk with her, she can definitely tell you more about it. So something special I have to tell about this song Kali is um, in this album, Echoes of the Soul, there was something that I wanted to put in. Uh, I have a, a little bit of a, um, I, I, I used to listen to a lot of D-beat music you know, such as bands like uh, Doom, Discharge, and they have a, sp- uh, this is a D-beat drum. I really, really wanted to have D-beat in this album, in some kind of riff, somewhere in the album. So there was this riff that I wrote, and I asked Luana, please do D-beat, and was like, oh, she never did D-beat before. You know, she did a lot of- Really? Fresh metal beats, but D-Beat was like, well, she probably tried it before, but it was like something new to implement in one of our songs because we ne- never di- really did it before in any of our bands before. So it was like, okay, that's actually, you know, let's give it a try, you know, and that's how this D-Beat section uh, got in there. And it turned out a little bit in the thrashy, but the idea behind it was to add D-Beat in, in the old school death metal kind of way. A lot of, you know, old school death metal bands used to add D-Beat in their music. So that's yep. why I... Entombed, for example, there's many bands that do that, and that's why that section feels a little bit more like raging, thrashy. Fantastic. Anyways, here it is. Here is Kali.
We're chatting with Crypto's lead guitarist Sonia Nibis, fresh off the release of their debut album Echoes of the Soul. So, Sonia, tell us about the production. What were some of the references that you know you shared with the engineers? What was the sound that you were looking for for your guitars? Well, we definitely had some like great people uh, working on our album after it was recorded. Um, we had the album being mixed by Arto Risk, which is um, a producer a guy from Amer- in America who has worked with many great bands such as Power Trip and Sepultura. From the mix, uh, we wanted something very organic and at the same time still with a modern grasp, you know, that, that it's not too like uh, caveman lo- sounding, but still a little bit like has a modern feel to it while don't losing its authenticity. So we thought that Arthur Risk could really take that originality out of our music and make it feel more natural. And for the more modern grasp, for the mastering, mastering is for to make the songs listenable in all you know systems and stuff. And we thought, okay, for that, we definitely need someone that has a lot of experience with it. And we couldn't go wrong with Jens Bogren, who is some uh, producer from Sweden. And he has worked with, you know, <laughs> countless amazing bands. You cannot adopt his discography. He has Arch Enemy, Marty yeah, just open any of your CDs and you'll probably see his name. Somewhere. Absolutely. He has a great amount, array of great bands on his name. So to work with him was like extremely flawless. You know, he, he delivered his work very fast. And uh, yeah, we were very happy how the album turned out exactly what, you know, um, we did it in a very short amount of time, the whole, the whole mixing and mastering thing, and we got what we wanted. So we were very happy with that. As for the actual recording uh, process of, you know, Echoes of the Soul, uh, we all, well, I flew, I flew to, to Sao Paulo all the way from Amsterdam, the Netherlands, to record the album. Uh, we spent a whole month in, uh, in a studio family mob in Sao Paulo together. We, we shared an apartment together and uh, we had a very well, uh, pre- uh, how to say it, well-prepared pre-production, meaning that mm-hmm. we completely ready to get in the studio and do what we have to do. And um, for this case, since a lot of the songs were already like uh, pre-produced, uh, our drummer Luana could start like straight away recording her drums. And after the drums were recorded, it was my turn to record all the rhythm guitars. So uh, this took about like for me uh, five days, maybe four days. I'm not exactly sure anymore. Uh, we did like um, three different rhythm tracks with a fourth uh, DI reamped in a different signal. Mm-hmm. So I would conclude into four different rhythm tracks for each song. That's why the songs have a very like, like they're very like, I don't know how to tell it. It's like very raw, but at the same time, very thick, in my opinion. Um, we used uh, for the rhythm guitars, uh, PV 6505 plus in combination with a Marshall vintage. Um, I asked specifically for this combination uh, a couple of months before January when we went to record because I had done a little bit of uh, research on YouTube. Uh-huh. I don't certainly don't own that gear, uh, even though I thought it sounded extremely good. It's very crunchy sounding, that combination. The PV, you can't go wrong with the 6505. It's like um, used by a lot of like death metal heroes. Yep. Like Ion gain, yeah. lots of noise, good distortion. Absolutely, like some very nice power yeah. fire. And the Marshall Vintage can really take that bite of that amplifier. Somehow it's like it brings a high frequency that I really like, like a really crunchy sound. 
And uh, it sounded amazing when we were like trying it out in the, in, in the actual studio. I was like jamming around with, together with Taina. Oh, this is it. Because we tried a couple of other amplifiers, but it was not, not it yet. So th- we were very happy with that combination. And uh, yeah, also the lead guitars were recorded with that combination, even though we added, of course, we changed the settings. We added some delay and some reverb to make it sound a little bit more dreamier for the solos. And after the guitars, uh, we had the bass guitar, obviously, by uh, Fernanda. Her sound is like killer. It's like ding, 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 ding. I love yeah, that. it got a good clank, but yes, it, it's still so rounded. Like, you know, it's not like the, the clickety kind of bass that you hear on right, death metal yeah. these days. Yeah. She really wanted a little bit different than what she had with Nervosa, but still with that very clear sound in it. But we tried to get a little bit more bass in that, more low in that, and it's got like amazing. I think from all of us, she has like the most ideal... But she got to get her her most ideal, you know, sound instrument. So that's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, it's like amazing. If if I would be like a bass player, that would be like my dream sound. And I'm a bass player actually. Yep. But not in the, <laughs> I'm not in this band. But as a bass player, I can say like that's like my dream sound. Um, <laughs> awesome! It's awesome. And then after that, we had like the the vocals, uh, which were like the last thing. And uh, at the end, 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 we had the lead guitars, I believe. Yeah, it's like it's been a while already. Like I'm, I'm thinking, well, <laughs> it's January, but uh, yeah, we did everything in one month, which is extremely tight to get that done. But I'm so happy we got to finish it on time. We got our deadline just so on time to release the album. Um, yeah, <laughs> so that was that was kind of the recording uh, story of this. Lovely. You know, I simply loved the way the drums sound on the album, the snare tone especially. Oh, it's so it's. It's beautiful because it really stands out. Um, when you're going for th- that kind of an old school raw live tone, right, which immediately makes it makes you feel like as if the band is in a jam room together and the the recording just happens to be from the boards directly, right, rather than being overtly produced. Is that what you guys were going for? We were looking for that. We wanted to keep it organic. Ah, organic that's the right word yeah still listenable still listenable not that it sounds like we recorded it in a cave or something but still like you can really like listen what's happening and, and luana i like that she's not using triggers for her drums it's like she's a, she's that tight you know she doesn't need triggers to to make it sound good and that's so awesome you know i enjoy a lot uh, rehearsing with the girls back when we were there because they're just extremely talented and i feel honored that i can you know play with them Okay, so now let's move to that part of the chat. Yeah, where we talk about Nervosa. So, uh-huh. Sonia, <laughs> can you tell us candidly and as honest as you can, are you tired of all the comparisons to Nervosa as yet? Honestly, you know, since I, I don't have a past in this band, I'm kind of like not too much focused on what people are saying that. I think Fernanda and Luana are more aware about it because they have like, they, they probably have more like, a bad experience with it and they can they, they they probably are more aware of it myself you know if i get uh, i'm more aware of other things right now from feedback from people for example i'm more paying attention about what people say about my guitar solos that would be like oh i'm like more careful about that or you know i've also had my past in my previous band burning witches even though people don't really like compare that because we're completely different styles yeah, so I'm, yeah. I'm i'm very happy that it's not happening and uh, as for Nervosa, honestly, I don't really care, to be honest. I've, I wish them the best. You know, I, I, I looked up to them before 
that's the reason why I know Fernanda and Luana is because they were in that band and I saw them live play and I was always like, yeah, they rock, you know. So, you know, I wish them the best. Um, we The good thing about this split is that we get not just, um, you know, two bands, Burning Witch is uh, Nervosa, but we get three different bands, Nervosa, Krypta, and Burning Witches. So this means yep. more female musicians doing their thing. And th this is a good thing. Yep, exactly. Like, I mean, even if you were just to isolate uh, Nervosa and Krypta, it's very similar to Metallica and Megadeth in some manner, right? All of it <laughs> will just end up benefiting each and every band. Definitely. I guess so. I mean, everyone is happy now. So that we, we all finally found our right place. Exactly. Okay. So on that note, Here's the next toughest question for you. We want, we want to play another track from the album. Cool. Which one cool. should we play? Let me see. Let me choose. Um, I think I'll go for Bloodstained Heritage. Okay. And why that track? Well, Bloodstained Heritage is one of the tracks that I actually got to uh, write all of it, most of it. Um, and I was really extremely inspired by Blackened Death Metal. Certainly by Vader and uh, Behemoth and this kind of bands. I, as I said in the beginning, I was, I'm really like influenced by these bands lately. I don't know why. It's like they, they have very mystical kind of sounding death metal. And I really like that. So I wanted to make Bloodstained Heritage fully that, fully of this influence that I had. And that's is what it became. Uh, honestly, I had a little bit of a different idea for the break uh, of the song. But the girls in the band were like, okay, just, just repeat that break a little bit more. And it turned out to become actually much cooler than it was. And I was like, well, well that's a very long, thrashy break. And now this song sounds a lot more thrash metal than it would have sound. So <laughs> I actually really like how it turned out at the end. I like how the bass is like going through it. And I, th I think it's a nice track. I, it turned out like a cool track. And a, and a special thing that I really like about this song is that it has a key change. It's something that we don't use much in death metal. And uh, the key change mm -hmm. at the end of the song, I believe. And um, it's something that I've used in my older band, Cobra Spell. And I always thought this was maybe too much 80s, maybe too old school, or too, too arena rock oriented to add a key change because that's what pop musicians do. And I thought, yeah. what, what would happen if I put this in a death metal song? That was kind of the idea that I, that I thought, what if we add this in, this in the chorus and have a key change in the chorus? And it turned out to sound very epic. And I'm like, well, I guess we can do that more in the future. <laughs> yeah. Fantastic. So here it is Bloodstained Heritage.
So we're still talking to Krypta's Sonia Nibis. Sonia, let's get to you, know you better now. So from what we know, you're Dutch. You were schooled in Spain, correct? That's right. Yeah. And now you talked so much about Polish death metal having an influence on you. I know, it's weird. <laughs> but Spain is also known as a musical country. Did it have an impact on influencing you in any manner? Oh, not at all, honestly. Not really? All. Yeah. Wow. You didn't no, pick my... up any of the flamenco or any of the, <laughs> of the guitar and all of that sort? No, not at all, actually. But I, I really like Spanish music. Uh, I like Spanish singers and flamenco, and I, I like it a lot. I think guitar playing is extremely, like, you know, they, they have amazing, uh, you know, Spanish guitar players. And um, I look up to it all, but it's not an influence to me somehow. Um, to make the album Echoes of the Soul, I really had different influences in that. Uh, as for my soloing, I'm extremely influenced by 80s guitarists. We Malmsteen, Marty Freeman, Paul Gilbert, all this, like, Yep. Amazing virtuous guitarists. That 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 would probably be my influence mainly. But um, I also have a little bit of Middle Eastern um, influences. Sometimes you can hear them in the music. Sometimes Dark Dark Night of the Soul features a lot of Middle Eastern sound that inspires me. Um, mainly because I really like bands like uh, you know I like a lot of instrumental music that sounds a little bit Middle Eastern. It was, I don't know why I wanted to implement it in death metal. There's bands that have done it before, such mm-hmm. as Nile and Melechesh. Yep. They have very much of these melodies and it, it's always has been very inspirational. So once in a while, you know, for example, in Death Arcana, you can hear some of that in uh, Kali. You can hear a little bit too. Dark Knight of the Souls from the ashes, maybe a little bit, but not too much. You know, you can hear it somewhere sometimes. In my solos, you can hear it almost every time pretty much yep um now your bio says that you were also inspired by kiss and that you're a huge kiss oh, fan yeah. absolutely yeah personal woohoo personal I- shout out yeah i love kiss too uh and what's more interesting is it said that you first picked up the bass and then moved to guitar that's right i've been that's... actually bassist than guitarist in uh-huh life. exactly that's very unique because you know, at least here in India and even talking to musicians uh, in the Western worlds, that's really unique because we generally hear stories where mostly the guitar comes first and then the band doesn't have a bassist. So the rhythm guitarist will say, hey, I'm going to pick up the bass, right? (laughs) What made you move from four strings to six? Well, that's, well, actually I went from four and then to five and then to six. (laughs) Okay, cool. We'll give you that. Progression. <laughs> I was like, I really was liking um, at 14 years of age, which is far long time ago already. Um, I was extremely inspired by you know hard rock bands and um, Kiss mainly. Actually, Kiss was was like the band that I was only listening to. The whole discography I was playing over and over again. You know, you could play a song and I could directly say, well, okay, I know that one. So it, I was play it and play it, and I was looking a lot of uh, live concerts from them. In back in the 70s on YouTube. And uh, I was impressed by how Gene Simmons, which is the bass player of this band, would go around like in such an amazing devilish way. He could yep. take an audience like just with his look, you know, he has an amazing performance. And aside yep. of that, he just can play very well bass at the same time. He did also vocals while he was playing. You know, the, the standard of bass players was always, oh, they have to stand on the back play a little bit along to what is happening but what Gene Simmons was doing was completely like 
completely different. He was like some kind of showman at the same time. And this really made me want, okay, bass is so cool. I want to pick up the bass. And I started playing the bass and, and teaching myself some songs. I actually got some lessons as a bass player. And uh, yeah, uh, a, a little bit later, I uh, discovered more music uh, from hard rock. I went to shock rock, from shock rock to thrash, heavy, um, even death metal and then even black metal. You know, it become a lot bigger. This world of metal was like a whole discovery that I needed to like, get to know everything and this this is how i got to think okay actually i need to play guitar because if i want to play this solo that it sounds so good i'll have to play the guitar i can do that with the bass so i started also playing a side of the bass guitar but just for fun just as like at home if i want to jam along i would play some guitar but bass was really my main instrument since like three or four years ago um i was a lot of playing in a lot of local bands in the netherlands as a bass player and the time that I got asked for Burning Witches was for me like a switch. Oh, maybe I can actually be also a guitarist in a band. Maybe that could be th something. You know, I know that I'm not the kind of bass player that likes to be in the back. And I, I would really see that, you know, in recordings, I would always see myself like being the one that's actually standing on the front while the guitars are just like feeling like being on the back. It's like there's something wrong about this and something maybe needs to change. But, uh, you know, at heart, I'm still really much of a bass player. But right now I'm more of a, you know, I, I do a lot of more guitar stuff for sure. The generation that has kind of grown up with the internet, right? And it's eas much easier to use technology. And as cliche as it sounds, accessing information is far easier than before, right? Now, That's right. Considering that you're self-taught, that has to be a boon, right? Just especially the journey that you took us through moving from bass to guitar? Well, you know, honestly, I've always in my life, I felt like an ease to learn music. I don't know why um, people always had partitures in front of them. I, it never made sense to me because I could just directly hear how something sounded and pick it up somehow and correct myself very easily because, of course, I had to learn the technical skills because otherwise you can't play the instrument. But I was very aware of sounds and making mistakes and how I can correct them to sound better. And maybe that gave me a little bit more of ease of uh, to self teach myself the guitar. Um, aside of that, I had a ba already a basics on bass guitar. Um, they're two incredibly different instruments though, but the basics maybe helped also a little bit on understanding the instrument a little bit more. Um, but to be honest, you know, um, I it wasn't that, easy of course because there were techniques where I felt like stuck sometimes you know more like picking technique I had to relearn it three times to at the end come to the right technique because there is no teacher that can tell me hey you're doing it wrong you know I would realize because someone said oh maybe you could do something else because it looks like you're struggling with this and I said oh actually yes you're right I'm struggling maybe I could try it differently and this, well, this was kind of my way of learning and uh, you know learning a lot of songs by ear, I would just pick up any song that I like and try to figure it out by ear instead of looking for taps on internet, which to me was very frustrating because as an ear learner, I would hear how many people would <laughs> write it completely wrong. And, I, and that's frustrating to me because it's not some people, more people will learn it wrong this way. So um, I still do it these days. Also, I'm teaching now guitar to a lot of students and I see that a lot of, they always want tablatures and like, it's very important to also use your ears because this way you also absorb what you're playing in your brain somehow. And it makes you really, um, the process is much better for your, for being a musician, in my opinion. 
Yep, you brought up uh, you brought up the fact that you're a teacher, and that was going to be my next question as such, uh, because I have a couple of questions where I would like you to wear your teacher's hat. First up, what do you make of the kids you teach today? Is rock music and heavy metal alive and well? Like, is the future secured? Will we still have fans of this genre? Oh well, that's a and future great. musicians also. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I, I of course can never say. I cannot spell what's gonna happen in the future. Of course. You know, it's, but, I think yeah, it's the kids well. who you teach, are they interested in rock and heavy metal? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. I think everyone that is taking lessons at my, um, you know, at, at my, with me, let's say, um, they are very want to play metal and hard rock. Um, I think that's because that's why they would ask me because most of the times I choose release heavy metal and death metal. So um, even though I love to play a little bit of soft stuff, but I'm more of a rock guitar player. So I'm, that's more that's more what I can teach too. Okay. But I think there's definitely hope for for the future. You know, every time the more I uh, work in music, the more younger people I see are coming to me and asking me for lessons, and this makes me very happy and fulfilling because um, you know. There has to be a next generation, and I really hope there, there will be one. And my job, I feel like my job in here is to inspire these people. Even if I'm like not a big musician, I'm striving to be a person that can be uh, an example for, for people, just like my heroes were for me when I started being a musician. Fantastic. I think you already answered my next question, which was going to be, in an age where information is easily available, I mean, you can honestly learn everything you want online itself right directly by watching videos what is the value that a teacher brings to the table Ooh, a lot of a lot of value definitely um and i i can say it myself i started being more um putting more uh worth into this kind of um into having a teacher into having someone that knows more about stuff to ask when you don't know things because you'll get an answer straight away from someone that has experience and to finding it out by yourself, it's sometimes okay to do that, but it's you can get faster to where you want to get if you have someone that actually knows your problem. And I think uh, personal contact, when someone is, is there to actually see your mistakes and correct something that you're not aware of, can lead to more progress than if you spend like a whole week trying to find out that you actually were doing it wrong. And um, yeah, it's it, there's nothing wrong for asking for help to anyone in any uh, subject is it for guitar playing is it for maybe a subject that is difficult at school or is it for anything now heads up <laughs> this is going to make us sound like relics but we couldn't resist asking you this since you're so young where do you see yourself in 10 years whoa that's a hard one <laughs> no, it's have... a standard interview question oh, <laughs> it's a very difficult one because oh, you know okay. I'm Let, let's Let's make it easy. Five years. Come on. <laughs> Five years. Well, I'll definitely be touring the world. And I'm very like, I have a lot of dreams and I visualize them like always. And, you know, I'm, I really believe that my dreams will come true. Um, so I, I definitely hope that I will be able to rely on the music in five years, 100% that I can live with it and maybe be able to get my own home. I hope that will be possible. Right now, I still live like at my father's house which I prefer to not do. Yeah, I would love to be able to do that. But as a musician, it's not always very easy. 
Um, I'm hoping to get that done. I'm hoping to tour around the world, um, you know, to just be better, a better version of myself personally, but also as a musician, um, to have released more music that's out in the world with Crypta, with Cobra Spell, um, which is my other band, and maybe something else. Maybe there's new projects coming. I really hope to also be able to release something as a solo musician. This is something that I've wanted for a long time, but I've always, I'm a little bit too perfectionistic with the stuff that I make. So it takes a long time, but I hope in five years I will be able to uh, to share it publicly. Fantastic. May all your dreams come true, Sonia. This was one of the most fun chats we've had in a long time. On that note, thank you so much for indulging a couple of boys from Bombay. Hope it was worthy of your time. I, I want to thank you so much because it's crazy to having a call with you guys all the way in India, right? It's wow. I'm I'm an... I'm mesmerized. I would love to play there with Krypta. I'm sure like when the world opens up, hopefully <laughs> maybe something happens. Yep. Yeah. And cool. considering how like, you know, we've been starved of metal for so long. <laughs> who knows what's possible? Yeah. Let's see what happens. So, you know, at this point, go ahead and use the space. Where can people find you? Krypta, Cobra Spell, or those who are interested in signing up you as a guitar teacher yeah so um you can find me on all social media channels as sonia nubis which is my artist name and uh, for my band scripta it's crypta death on the social media crypta official uh, on others and uh, we are on all you know you can order our album echoes of the soul on napalm records and you can stream the music worldwide on all streaming platforms and the same goes for cobra spell and Cobra Spell is every social channel as Cobra Spell. And as for my guitar lessons, um, I do give guitar lessons and I take all kinds of ages, all kinds of levels. Um, I do it on private, meaning that I always do it one by one and I look at the, what the person wants to learn. And yeah, that's, that's my thing. Fantastic. Thank you once again, Sonia. And dear listeners, you know the drill. If you'd like to chat or talk to us, we are at hornsuppod.com and on Twitter at hornsuppod. As always, I'm on Twitter at Asmoani. I'm at Trent Crusher. This was Horns Up. Horns Up, guys. Ooh, horns Up. <laughs>